the Hong Kong stories about food. This is That Guy Walking Podcast. It's interesting to think and funny to say that a majority of my adult life, my professional life, I have not lived in the United States. Uh, when I was just married, not 18 months married, my wife and I decided to move over to Hong Kong because of reasons in the United States with salary freezes and school districts and thinking about adventuring and just the opportunities available. We applied, were accepted, and took a job living overseas in Hong Kong. Now, the funny thing is about a move like this is it's, it's not like moving from one side of the city to the other where generally all the restaurants are the same, generally all the grocery stores are the same, um, but this was a completely different experience that we had really no, we had nothing to really prepare us for what was to come. At the time I had a friend who was from Japan and he had started to mentor me in the art of Asian food. He showed, pointed me to the local Asian market in the part of the city that I'd never been before. He explained the importance of rice in the meal and how really there is nothing else in, that you would ever eat every day except for rice. Everything else was just an addition. And he made it very and abundantly clear that no matter how much Panda Express I would eat, I would not be prepared for what I was about to, to embark in. So the first story I want to share with you is about our first interaction with food and just the whole day that we arrived. So our flight arrived at about 8 p.m. Hong Kong time. That would have been about 8 a.m. Uh, the same day, U.S. Eastern Standard Time. So we'd have been on an airplane for about 14 and a half hours, had slept mightily, not very well, watched a lot of movies, came off severely jet-lagged, our body's telling us to go to sleep, and yet our, our brain's saying it's time to wake up. So we were able to go to sleep that night and wake up the next morning. The, and the school that we went to work for graciously provided us with breakfast foods, uh, hand, lunch meat, bread, things that seemed similar but were a little different. And, you know, we had shown up with our five bags of our entire life within five bags and... Here we were on this new place. The first stop for us was to go and establish our bank accounts. And within our bank accounts, we hit lunchtime. And in lunchtime, we went to a restaurant called Fairwood. Now, to compare this into the United States, Fairwood would be an example or connected to something like an A&W or a Carl's Jr. Maybe not a mainstream fast food joint, but one that's well-known, one that's pretty solid that you can go to. So meal number one in Hong Kong, beef noodles. At the time, I, I wanted to try, just try it out there. I went for whatever I could understand on the menu. The menu was listed in Chinese, but there was English subtitles because of the history of English in Hong Kong. So thankfully, we were able to at least semi-understand what was on the menu. Blind and jet-lagged, I simply just picked one, and my wife did the same, and we sat and we ate, and it was okay. Jet lag really affected the appetite, and so we, uh, we ate what we could, finished the banking, went, stopped at Ikea. I think we bought a trash can. That was our first Hong Kong purchase, uh, and then we were able to make it back to 
the apartment and rest in the afternoon before meeting with our fellow new Hong Kong transplant to walk over to an area of the city called City One where we were going to find some dinner. Walking over there, still jet lagged, our bodies telling us to wake up or our minds telling us to wake up and our bodies telling us to go to sleep. We turn the corner and we walk into this, what would we would equate to a local shopping center or walking mall. And lo and behold, a piece fell over me like none other. The golden art just laid in front of us. McDonald's was there. There was peace in the world. Though in the United States, I was never really a big fan of McDonald's. Again, it was there, it was dependable. It was a place to go, but there were other places that we'd liked. And we weren't, not, we weren't there to eat McDonald's. And so we challenged uh, ourselves and with the group and the mentor guide that had, we had with us, we went next door to McDonald's to the Korean house. I think it was Korean house called Korean house number one. And the specialty there was a stone pot uh, dish or some might call it bibimbap. Um, basically rice base, Korean beef, pickled vegetables, uh, and an egg, a raw egg, all served in an extremely hot clay pot. They bring it to the table. They ask you if they want, if you want hoisin sauce. They ask you if you want spicy sauce. And they pour it in, and then they mix it all up, breaking the yolk of the egg, cooking the egg around the rice and the meat and the, and the vegetables, and it all connects to be this good meal. So as I grabbed for my chopsticks because there were no forks available there. There were spoons, but that was confusing to me at the time. I started to try to eat and I thought, what have we done? Is this what I'm going to be eating for the rest of my life here in Hong Kong? Fast forward three months, six months, a year, and that ended up being one of the more favorite places before it closed down uh, and went out of business. The cool thing was it became a safe place for us to eat. It was one that was recognizable. We knew what to order and we knew how to order. And over time, we did start to experiment more with their menu, trying different spring rolls and egg rolls and different things like that. But for the most part, it became a safe place. We didn't have to go to McDonald's all the time because we had the Korean house. But that was only just one experience when it came to food in Hong Kong. The next story comes from the beauty of being in the expat community. If you've never experienced what it means to be an expat in a foreign country, it's something that's really, you can't describe. A bunch of strangers come into a place and the only commonality is this might, might be the passport that you hold or the language that you speak. And so you're forced into community and it becomes this place where you depend on someone that you might not have depended on if you were in your home country. And it's a beautiful experience. The community that we built while living in Hong Kong was, has, built, has created some of our closest friends that we still are in contact even though we're not living there anymore. So one of the things that our school encouraged or that the teaching team that I was on was team dinners. And so we would bounce around at once every month to different people's apartments and flats to enjoy a meal. Sometimes it was potluck and everyone would bring things. Other times uh, one of the teachers would host and on this particular night, the Chinese teacher uh, for the eighth grade team wanted to host. Now, her situation was a little different because her husband worked for the univers one of the universities there. So they lived in university housing. 
and university housing was much larger than typical Hong Kong housing. Typical Hong Kong housing, for example, our last flat that we lived in was 800 square feet and we, we paid $2,500 a month for 800 square feet. Uh, the rooms are the bedrooms, beside the kids' bedrooms that we had, I could lay down with my feet on one wall and my head would touch the other wall. That's how small the room is, about six feet wide. Anyway, back to this. So we walk into this apartment on this university that we've traveled for over an hour to get to via public transportation. Hot, sweaty, thirsty, hungry, ready for this meal. And she has decided to provide us with a very traditional Chinese meal. Her origins are from Xin. She's from mainland China. And she wanted to provide us with traditional Hong Kong and, and Chinese food for us. And so it became very evident very fast that we were in for something very extravagant and confusing. So this meal came out in courses. Appetizers were different types of cold vegetables, some warm vegetables, warm lettuce, that sort of thing. And there was this large platter of different items, pickled vegetables, uh, some fish type items and things like that. And there was one particular item that looked kind of like a celery, a thin celery that had been boiled. And she made it, she insisted that that would be the one thing that everyone has to try before she tells us what it is. Now, I had gone on mission trips before and I had talked to my wife about this um, as we were going over there that part of the adventure was experiencing the culture and experiencing the food. And one of the things that I had learned on a previous trip to Romania was if someone offers you something, it's only polite and culturally responsible to accept it. They're providing this as a gift. You should accept it and try it and eat it and be as polite as possible, as you would hope to do if someone was, in, was sitting across from your table in your country and you offered them something. So this stringy-looking, celery-like substance was offered to us. We took a bite. It did taste almost exactly like that, like a flimsy piece of boiled celery that still had a little crunch to it and uh, had been pickled as well. So it had that vine vinegary, sour vinegary taste. So after we were done eating it, she smiled because all of us around the table, except for her family, were uh, expats. And she smiled around the table and she said, what do you think it is? And I had said something like a sea cucumber or some sort of seaweed type substance, celery. And uh, all of us guessed, none of, none of us guessed the right answer. And she came and she, in her broken English said jellyfish. And so we had eaten almost a, some sort of a cooked slash pickled jellyfish for dinner that night as an appetizer. Later we had some beef and chicken and rice, of course. And so, but it was quite an experience, a memorable experience to, to have. It didn't kill us. It didn't sting my tongue. It wasn't anything that caused any sort of indigestion, uh, but just a fun little experience and a great memory that I have of, uh, of that time at that meal together. The next story I wanna share is about a place that is very local. In fact, so local that it really didn't have a name, except we called it the Corner Stop, I think, or something like that. It was a place that only opened at night, and during the day was surrounded by shops, bike shops, 
and commuters as they walked through this, this place. But at night, this small little building would open up, the kitchen really practically on the street, folding tables as the uh, welcoming you in to sit down and to enjoy a meal. So a bunch of us went out uh, to try this place. We had a friend who was from Hong Kong, born and raised in Hong Kong, uh, but had some international experience. And he came, he, he spoke Cantonese, so he was able to order for us. And we went to this place and he, he took care of the ordering. The restaurant smelled wonderful. It looked, from an American standard, very dingy, very like a place you would want, not want to go. But we sat and we enjoyed and we trusted our friends and our community. So as we're sitting there, we're eating fish, we're eating rice, we're eating all this. It's very much a potlucks type situation where all of the main dishes are placed on the table and you use uh, communal spoons to scoop into your own bowl to just try all everything. So there's not one single thing that you're ordering, but rather it's a whole variety of items that you can share with your, with your party around the table. So there was one smell though that kept just enticing the whole table. Every time the wind would shift or someone would walk by and it would shift the, the, the fan that was blowing on us because it was still very, very warm and humid, we'd get this intense, sm sweet smell that would blow over to us. And finally, my wife and another friend said, we, we have to have that. What is that smell? And our friend, who was from Hong Kong, explained that it was a, it was a chicken stew. And so we asked her, we said, well, yeah, let's order some for the table. So we order chicken stew and it looks great. It's kind of a dark gravy type substance, had some onions and other vegetables in it and chicken. Now, one funny thing from an American perspective about Asia is that bones are just a part of the meal. We have, we pay extra money. We spend more time having boneless chicken, boneless chicken bites, boneless chicken nuggets, that sort of thing. Well, in Hong, whereas in Asia, if they're chopping chicken up for a soup or a stew or anything like that, then the chicken bones are just included in there. That heavy cleaver goes straight through the carcass, and, and as they chop, they chop the bones in, and it becomes a part of the meal. So it's not as, you have to slow down as you're eating. You have to eat uh, very carefully because of the bones. And um, so... As we're sitting there, we're eating, we're slowly gnawing away. Think about a soup made entirely of bone-in chicken wings and how you have to stop and gnaw on those bones and clean out uh, the, everything that's happening in the, with the bones in your mouth. So we're slowly eating this. It's still a very good stew. The sauce is delicious. Uh, everyone's enjoying it. And I look at my wife, who's sitting almost across the table from me, and she takes a big scoop of the stew, and I look at her and kind of get that, you know, husband-wife subliminal look saying, hey, what do you think? Is this pretty good? She gives me the look of like, oh my gosh, it's as great as, as, we, as it smelled. And then I'm watching her as she takes this big bite, and all of a sudden she gives me a, a her eyes twitches a little, and she looks at me, and I can see the panic. Her, I can see how her eyes are starting to look a little scared, a little confused, and I, I give her a look. And I see her reach up into her mouth very discreetly and slowly and slowly pull something out of her mouth. And as this thing slid over her lips ever so slowly, not to draw attention, I could see clearly 
that my wife had just taken a big bite on the face of the chicken. So not only were the bones included in the stew, but the entire head and probably beak were included in this chicken stew as well. Later, she explained how she had taken that bite into her mouth, and as she bit down, she felt the eyeball explode in her mouth. Again, being very cautious and being very gracious to our hosts and to the restaurant, she, she, they saw her take it out and put it down. They asked her what happened, what was wrong. She explained what it is, and her friend from Hong Kong said, hey, that's actually one of the best parts of the chicken, so you should feel lucky with that. She did not go on to eat it, and they were totally fine with that. They understood the shock of it and all, but I'll never forget that picture of my wife slowly sliding a chicken face out of her mouth with the eyeball missing that she had just popped in into her mouth. So I've shared about jellyfish, I've shared about chicken stew, I've shared about fast food and the Korea house. I have two more stories that I want to share with you. One is about another unique situation that we went to. It's called a Daipai Dong. And really, think about it as a bunch of garden tents set up in the middle of the city, and underneath is a restaurant with, again, folding tables, stools, and chairs where you need Cantonese to order. Otherwise, you're just kind of winging it. And as I'm telling you these stories of these different places, I'm, I'm remembering other restaurants that we went to and that we enjoyed, the dim sum place by the school, uh, how sometimes we'd get full dinners at 7-Eleven, which is completely different than here, how we would um, go to these elegant, incredible buffets that for the cost of a meal at a mid-range sit-down restaurant, we were getting a five-star buffet with crab's legs and filet mignon and all of this, these things that were, that were just incredible amounts of food. But the Dai Pai Dong was such a unique experience. It's similar to the chicken stew restaurant, except you're in a tent, a literal tent that looks like it's more made of tarps because of all the holes in the tent and because of its age. But the one piece of the Dai Pai Dong experience that was unique for this night was our friends had ordered fried pigeon. This was another new concept for us. I know that pigeon is not just eaten in, in Asia, but for us, it was fried pigeon. And ladies and gentlemen, it tasted like chicken. Nothing too extravagant, nothing too unique, except for the fact that the feet and the head were still on parts of the, chick of the pigeon. So that was a little odd, but other than that, we just had mini fried pigeon. The final story that I wanna share with you is about our favorite restaurant, the Red Heart Canteen. Early in our time in Hong Kong, we had friends who had lived in Hong Kong previously or who were born in Hong Kong and they had started to go to breakfast in the morning before we had to report to school. So we were, I was interested. I wanted to try something new. I, I had heard a little bit about this place and so thus began the relationship in the, with the Red Heart Canteen. And I say it's a relationship because we equate this place to our cheers. That as we walked in, the cook and the, and the waiters and waitresses, they knew who we were. And very, very quickly, they, they understood that we found this place very desirable. And they knew what our order was. And we never had to order again. Because they would just bring it to us. So what was it that we ordered? What was so good about this place? Well, in Cantonese, the meals that we ordered, you would say, Sate, Ayak Mai, Yin Yak Dan. 
What that was is a beef saute noodle soup and with, on the side, a fried egg, toast, and bacon. Then we'd also order a dong lai cha or a dong ling cha. Dong lai cha was a sweet milk tea and an iced milk tea. The dong means cold or iced. Dong ling cha is an iced lemon tea. So think about southern sweet tea but with a heavy amount of lemon in it or southern sweet tea with a heavy amount of, instead of actually sugar in it, it's got um, the canned sweet milk uh, poured into it and so it has a very light tan sort of color to it. So this was our place. A big bowl of noodles, eggs, toast, bacon, and a drink. All for when we started going around 375 US, $3.75. And by the time we left, inflation and time had brought it up to about $4.75. But this meal wasn't just about the food. The food was excellent. I will admit, though, that it was very similar to the local places that we'd been to. At one point, I did see a rat run through the restaurant. I hid that from my wife and then daughters, young daughters at the time. But this was a place where our community was solidified, that noodles became a common language, that when you were down on a day, when you were struggling through a week, you knew that, hey, Noodle Friday was coming and we could go and feel a little better. To say that the noodles were good for you would not be telling you the truth. In fact, frequently, at least one of us every time would have to hustle on to school to visit the restroom, but it was something that we couldn't get enough of because it was just so good. The woman there, the, the chef, she her, she had a care for us. As we had lived in Hong Kong, three all three of our children were born there, and so she saw all three of them as babies and then start to grow. Our daughters came to love the noodle shop as well and still ask about it today, even though we've been gone from Hong Kong for a few years. But the beef saute noodles, and just recently this past summer, had the opportunity to get as close as we could to the, to the real thing when we were in Vancouver, Canada, and we went to a place that had the similar pieces. The other dish that I do have to share about as I'm getting close to ending my walk is something that you would order, you would say side si. And side si is essentially just French toast. But the difference between American French toast and Hong Kong French toast, or side si, is that Hong Kong French toast was two pieces of bread with peanut butter spread in between and then put into essentially a peanut butter sandwich, dipped in batter and then deep fried, and then served with a heavy, heavy sweet syrup on top. And this was the ultimate treat, almost like eating cake for, for breakfast. We always knew no matter when someone brought a family member in, my father-in-law came and visited us, my dad came and visited us, uh, and, and some other friends had come and visited us. No matter how intimidating the noodle shop looked to them or the beef noodles for breakfast with the, the bacon and eggs, we knew if we were to give them the side of sea that they would be in love with the restaurant and it, it was almost 99% often that they would ask to go back to the noodle shop to have that once again. So if you're ever in Hong Kong and you find a little noodle shop, go in and ask for Saito C because it will change your life and give you a new perspective on French toast and the deliciousness of breakfast. Now it's time to share with you what I've seen on my walk tonight. And maybe it's not what I'm seeing, but what I'm hearing and what I think you can hear 
and those are cicadas. Another thing that we have in common with our friends over in Hong Kong, except the ones in Hong Kong were screaming like they were at a rock concert. So I enjoy those sounds. They bring, bring back memories. And I hope that I've not disgusted you with this podcast, but you've enjoyed my stories of some foods in Hong Kong. My goal is to try and share more stories about our travels and our experiences because I think it's something that has really shaped me and my family and something that I think hopefully will encourage you to try something new, to reach outside, to challenge yourself beyond just what is common. As always, if you want to connect, you can comment here on the podcast, follow the podcast, subscribe to the podcast on whatever you're using to listen to this. Uh, If you want to reach out, Taylor at Taylor H. Williams on Twitter is the best way to connect. And I hope you all have a wonderful night. Josan, good evening.